Yes, yes, team. Welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Today, we have one of my personal clients, Dean Hammond. Dean is the founder of the Catalyst Project. He's a military man. He is a mentor within Supercharged. And he's a lovely, lovely bloke. He's very driven. He's going to go a little bit into his story. He's going to talk a little bit about how much this man gets done because he still has a full-time military role on top of a very successful coaching business whilst mentoring other successful coaching businesses this guy's time is tight and he's an absolute student of mental performance and he's been an absolute joy to coach through the evolution progress process dean welcome to the total mental performance podcast thank you for having me man what an introduction as well i really appreciate that yeah paint a picture You've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. So just describe <laughs> what an average week looks like. Because we worked hard to build your structures, keep you consistent. Yeah, we had to dig we had to dig into that quite quickly early on, didn't we? Mm. And really go, well, what can you commit to? Because you've got so many things going on. Well, what the hell can we actually do? Um, so I think to paint a picture for most people, I, I have a full-time job. You know, your classic sort of up at s- half five, six o'clock in the morning, out the door driving a little commute into work for 30 minutes, starting a day, um, you know, as a Royal Army Physical Training Corps instructor, we look after a few things in my sort of field. Um, in the mornings, it's normally centered around coaching and physical performance, taking soldier athletes and tactical athletes and going through that, you know, human optimization piece, if you will. Um, and we coach the guys in the morning. And then the rest of the day is normally sort of centered around infrastructure, um, maybe a bit of career professional development, working with other coaches as well, perhaps a little bit more junior in their careers and guiding them and doing CPD with them too. So there's lots of like different pillars that you're part of, not to mention the management of program design and looking after the health and safety of the, the environment. And then, yeah, it normally ends about 4.35, I'll drive home. Um, and then that's where, that's where the, that's where the journey really starts for me. I think um, I've loved the military and I'm sure we'll explore where I'm at now with that. But um, the journey for me personally, as a human being and everything I live for is centered around the minute I walk through my front door, I see my children, I see my wife, I spend time with them. And then we get into the weeds and the depths of my, of my online coaching business. And a lot of people always ask, how on earth do you get the time to do it? And I go back to one word and it's compartmentalization. And I think what our journeys allowed me to do is compartmentalize things even more to the granular detail so that we could actually get shit done. Because I thought I was getting shit done before, but now it's on a whole different level. And it's something that not just physically, like psychologically, like the, the, the emotional bandwidth I have before was quite limited. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was infinite, but it was limited. But now it's like a whole different sphere and it's unbelievable. And I love it. It's yeah. So when you talk about how much time I've got available, like I have little time. There's not much for error that comes with pros and cons, of course, but yeah. Time is tight. Yeah. And it's pretty impressive for the coaching service that you've, you've built not just because financially it does very well, but because of the results that you deliver. And I think coaches forget that they get so fascinated by the business bit, they forget that you've actually got to make life-changing results and yeah. you're able to do that. On top of that, you know, being a husband and a, and a dad to do daughters on top exactly. of a full-time military career and mentoring, it, that's a lot on your plate. Yeah, And part of that is being ruthless in your commitments and there's a lot of things you've had to say 
no to, which we've gone back and forth, and yeah. there was a lot of things that you wanted to say yes to, but as a re- but as a result of the psychological makeup of I don't want to miss out or how I'm thinking and feeling about those situations, you were very much overstretched. Yeah, big properly overstretched. We did an exercise early on in our journey that really put things into perspective for me. I've been indoctrinated and institutionalized by the military to believe that my core values and my behaviors should be what the military have told me to be. Courageous, disciplined, integral, respect for others, loyalty, selfless commitment to those that are around you. And all of these acronyms that we get thrown in the military sort of were ingrained in me because my father had served in the military as well. So all I knew was those values. And it was overwhelming to sit back and think about all of those things, like what does it mean to me? And we did an exercise that was just really simple. Like, what's important to you? What makes Dean uniquely Dean? And that was as simple as family, community, and the impact and freedom piece. Like the, we just brought out three or four words that just almost created a ripple effect across the rest of our journey together. And I very quickly realized that well, family was one of the most important things in my life, but I wasn't acting and serving that value in the way that I should have been. It was the birth of king and queen time when we first started and that the conversations as well during our king and queen time with my wife has been unbelievable. She's my best friend and she's my soulmate, but for such a long time, we were just two people that lived together. It's not that anymore. We don't, we're not just two people that live together. We are two people that are friends. We're, we have good banter together. We've got the, and all of that has come because of the domino effect of having, having those values challenged. Cause I don't, I didn't have very many people challenge me. I'm quite an extroverted character to a lot of people. Maybe I come across quite abrupt and, and, and brash and, you've taught me in those early stages not to not to change that like don't change who you are because that's uniquely you how can we harness it better and that's what I've done I've harnessed it better and it's allowed me to have these conversations with my partner that's allowed me to become so much more attuned to the values that I want to live by not the values that have been pushed onto me so by one simple tool of like I remember you saying that that's not your value like come on what what's beneath the surface a bit more and we dug a little bit deeper and to words to that effect like you just kept almost not calling me out on it but calling me out on it like no come on what's below the surface let's dig deeper what's the real reason why you do what you do why is family important are you living by that well no you're not so where's your time being committed like it was a sense of it was almost that moment of dean pull your finger out of your ass live by those identities and values and like from that moment yeah it's it's been a huge whirlwind of, of change, massive whirlwind of change, just by having those simple conversations early on that maybe I would have been indoctrinated and institutionalized with for so many years. Well, what you're talking about there is values elicitation. So essentially, values elicitation is looking at, well, what does somebody truly care about? Because a lot of people, when you sort of talk values, they'll go macro, they'll go integrity. Yeah. Honesty. Strength. <laughs> Honor. You know, they'll go, they'll go. All these big yeah, valor words. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm more interested in, and there's a great book called The Values Factor by um, John Martini. Very, very, very good book. Um, and I learned values as a therapist. I read it in that book and I kind of 
create my own little version of of what's important. Um, but some of the things you want to look at when you're trying to really ascertain somebody's values is how are they behaving. Yeah. So I thought, what are you doing every day? I was saying, well, what are you thinking about every day? What are you? Uh, where do you spend your money? Mm-hmm. How do you spend your time? What's in your physical environment? Period. And the things that kept coming up was family. It was business, freedom, community, impact. It was the same, the same patterns. When you start to see the patterns, and people's values change all the time, yeah. I try and check in every three to six months my own values because what I valued now isn't necessarily what I valued six months ago. And then you can just use that as a framework. So you have your, your values that evolve, and then you have values that don't evolve. So for me, the three TMP values be water. We mm. adapt, we create, we deliver. We create mindsets that evolve and change, just like water does. It just fills the space wherever it needs to be. Uh, be honor. We're old school. We're transparent. We yeah. shake a hand. We shake hands, and we, we live by that, and that's, that's what we do. Uh, and be love. There's another human being at the other end of the phone. And just because we're in an online coaching world doesn't necessarily mean that you forget that. Um, so when you get really clear and that those three values for us as an organization and as a team i don't compromise on those i can we we're we're interviewing at the moment as we're hiring and we come across an individual world class yeah but we were 50 they were definitely water yeah we were 50 50 on honor we were 50 50 on love and sir alex ferguson said when it comes to players if there's doubt, there's no doubt. So when you have that that clear, these are my values and this is what it's about, you use that as a filter. 100%. Same in my personal life. I don't want to be with anyone that isn't water, that isn't honor, or isn't love. Mm-hmm. And when you crystallize those are the things that are important to me, then that works as, as almost like a firewall to who you let in your life. And the same with our clients. I won't let anyone in that. I think you're not love, you're not honor. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Sets the foundation, doesn't it? Yeah. It did for me as well. It did for me. I think you just said something quite pertinent. You talk about not, for me, I would jump into anything wholeheartedly without really considering the family, the community, the king and queen time, my role as a father, as a husband. I would jump into that very quickly with no due care or attention to who else it was impacting that was important to me. And I would do things that would go against that grain. I'd be like 50-50 on, well, okay, I'll, okay, let's try it. Let's do it. Just do it. And, and without, without any hesitation. And then realizing when I'm in, there's the 50-50 questions I'm asking myself. Oh, is this really me? Is this really me? And you actually, you remember that conversation we had early on? Where I stepped away from something that was arguably not aligned to what I wanted to be as a coach, as a mentor, as a leader as a husband, as a father, those big things. I stepped away from that. And that was a real, 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 real difficult conversation to have with two people who I respect massively to go, this isn't for me. It's not, it's taking too much time. And that time is affecting my output with my partner of which a relationship is dwindling away and time with my children of which the years go by quick when you've got kids. Before you know it, they're out of nappies and they're now coming home with boyfriends. And I haven't experienced that yet. I'm not looking forward to that because I've got two daughters. But that I'm, I've became very self-aware that that time is, is running out quickly. So when people don't align to family, community, impact, freedom, and they're not 
Like those, those, those words don't mean anything to anybody. To anybody, they don't mean anything. To me, they mean everything. And that's that personal approach that we bring with that total mental performance aspect. So to be able to say to somebody, no, I, I'm going to step away. I'm going to pursue something that is what I want to do because it's built on those things that we discussed so deeply as well. Like I would never have done that before because I don't want to let those people down that are around me. So I jumped wholeheartedly into it. So when you're talking about river and being adaptable, I never thought about that ever. I was just like, let's just do it. Let's just jump in and just see what happens, whether it failed, it did well, whatever. Like not nine times out of 10, you wouldn't let it fail. You would just keep pursuing it, even if it was going in the wrong direction. So it's interesting you bring that up because you've kind of brushed that. I think you brushed that onto all of your clients, all of the people that you've worked with. You can see a common trait with those guys. They deeply know. They know what's important to them. Yeah. They don't fuck about. No, no. They and don't fuck the about. clarity is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Like it almost, you almost get, I think the best way to describe this is when I, when I say things now, and they're coming from who I am as an identity. They're not coming out of my mouth so that the person on the other end has a perception of me in a certain way. I'm not trying to do that anymore. Now, what you see is what you get. The extroverted, unapologetic, overly brash, energetic person is the best way to describe that. But that energy, that extroverted character, you're going to get that person. And you're going to get the person that is so, it's raw passion and raw, it is raw passion, raw passion and raw love for what I do. And one of my closest friends who has become, who's become an amazing friend of mine over the past couple of years, um, Adam, he just, he tells me it straight. And he's like, he's like, dude, you're, you cannot take away how raw and passionate you are. And if somebody doesn't like you for that, they're not your person, mate. Great example yesterday I saw you put on your story. It was um it was really funny. It was really funny. And I just love the authenticity and the shamelessness of it. I love the word shameless as I said on the, as I was speaking yesterday. We're shooting this podcast in, in Birmingham, by the way. We just uh, come off the back of uh, the supercharged event. And I was talking a lot about being shameless. Like just I am me. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. And you put something up on your story yesterday. It was uh it was, it was the camera comes on <laughs> really not clear at all i can't see what he's like what's going on in there and it's, it's dean's chesser yeah and he, he pulls up the camera and i can't remember what you said but i was absolutely rolling and i yeah. was like i remember i saw the smiley emoji that everyone sent it was just yeah but that, that. But that was just you being you yeah it's funny. it is and do you know what i i try to suppress that that banter i try to suppress that humor through fear of not being seen as a professional or somebody who is credible in their field when in reality, be fucking uniquely you and unapologetically you for who you are. And if that comes with craziness and adventure and, ex you know, exploration and like this, you know, the free will type of stuff, then do that. Like, absolutely do that. And I don't think I was prepared to do that in certain environments. Now, it doesn't, even in the military, up and down the chain of command. You ask anybody that works with me in the military... They will say, he is out there. He is out and out, out there. And I'm glad. I'm actually glad. I don't do it for other people, but I'm glad because I'm not putting on a front, stood there trying to be somebody I'm not. Like, 
you we you see people in the military that are rank seeking missiles and have no problem expressing that opinion some people want to chase that career in that rank i have no aspirations for that but i did before because guess what now for the first time in a long time i can see through the skies i can see the limits potential that's out there the, it, the, it's unreal and you don't get that by being somebody that you're not. You get that by being somebody that is unapologetically you. So the stupid, the stupid little isms that I have, the funny little quirks and tweaks, the the noises. I will, you know, Adam laughs all the time when we work together. We do some deep workflow, and he's like, "Dude, you make some of the funniest, craziest noises. You sing to yourself to get yourself going. Like, don't ever change that because that makes you you." And I'm like, you know what? I you know you appreciate people that are like that are around you because except for you for who you are. And now. Like we're pursuing me moving into the world of the civilian world, and before it was it was there, but there's no the, the dangly carrot you can dangle it all you want. I don't need to bite it anymore because I'm I'm happy with what I know I'm going to be pursuing, which is like that's to bring that out of somebody. You know, you need those people to help you do that. I'd be in no illusion. At the, at the beginning of the process, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to even explore that for another five years i think was the time was the time yeah that you said and i said okay and i kind of just made a little mental note and let's see at the end of this process if he feels the same yeah so at the beginning of the process people would have just seen a extroverted confident leader yeah but they wouldn't have actually understood what's going on underneath the hood and maybe you didn't know what was going on underneath no 100 percent. you maybe you weren't aware i remember the first call that we had you held up a mirror to what we'd built which was really interesting. I was talking to Cal about it on the, the other podcast. And you, the first things you said, you went, I really love your brand. And I said, tell me more about that. And you said, total mental performance. Everything about that is what I want. Everything that I, I, I don't know how you get there. I don't know what it is, but everything that is that really resonates. And yeah. at that point, that first call, cause we actually spoke twice, if you remember, before you came aboard. Yeah. Um, people would have just seen a very confident, and you were confident. It wasn't that you weren't. This, is, this hasn't been a, Dean was in a terrible place yeah. where he was like tra dragging himself up. No, he was flying. He was already in a really fucking good spot. We took him from good and we moved him to great. And that was really what we did. Yeah. Um, how would you paint that picture as to what was happening subtly underneath the hood emotionally? I think... I remember the first conversation we had, actually. Yeah, you, you, you spark a bit of a thought there. When we talked, I asked, yeah, total mental performance. Like, what what was, I want that. Because uh, you gave that brief. Um, you gave the, the, the talk at the Q4, I think it was, a year or two ago. Um, do you know what you, 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 and I remember, so people see the confident, extroverted, out there character. But that day, People saw a person that I was scared of showing for the best part of 15 years. Locked him up. like. And the easiest way I can describe it is, when you asked us a question, and you said, describe your shit list. What, you know, it was a funny, it was like a funny thing, but I, I went deep. I went layers deep. I was like, what am I, what's your shit list? And the shit list was round... And you won't realize how much impact that had on me. That like you really don't understand. I, you do, of course you do. But I don't think people really understand how impactful this moment was. We sat in Q2 with 70 people around us in this little hollow square. 
Um, and we wrote down everything that we were, that, things that we've been shit at in our life. And interestingly, every single one of the things that I was shit at was centered on the identities that I actually wanted to live by. Shit towards my kids, shit towards my wife, shit sometimes to my clients because I was coming from a place of scarcity or acting out of a place of, you know, fatigue or, and we, you know, emotional fatigue, like drained. And all of those things, like the places that I've been shit in my life towards people in my life, all of those things came back and flooded to the surface. And it was a hard one to share. But I remember sat next to, I was, at the moment I thought about it, I'm like, I'm sat next to some of the most incredible people that, who actually support me. Sat with Damien, with Alex Scriven, Adam Glover was there, Scott Robinson. Like, you were like, is anybody willing to share? And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I raised my hand and I shared with you everything that I did in my life that made me a shit human being. Broke down, broke down. And I didn't break down. I didn't break down because I was upset. Not upset. I, it's a hard one to put into words. But in that moment, emotionally, I felt free to express who I really, really was. And in that moment, I very quickly realized how much my wife and children meant to me. And I wasn't filling that cup. I wasn't serving it the way I should have been. And that like that day walked away. And you, I remember you said something to me like, have you asked your wife what she thinks? I'd never asked her. I never, ever, ever asked her. That moment in time, everything I did was centered on the main one was 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 we've and we've discussed this the fear of missing out on things in my life or opportunities so i would jump into relationships with people friendships i would jump into events i would do things for other people because i was worried about missing out on an experience where did that come from <laughs> well we did the surface we we scratched the surface initially and I think I was reluctant to share because I didn't want to open up what it truly was. And it wasn't until I think we were maybe halfway through the process. We re No, not even, it was a bit earlier than that. We really dug into the layer. And it all stemmed back from, from where I was in the relationship with my, with my father and my mother and how when my brother came into the world, he was portrayed. Because he... And he's a remarkable dude. He's such a great guy. I love him. He's my brother. Do you know what I mean? I, the, the, I haven't got a bad word to say about him at all. Um, but in my eyes, my brother became this boy that was the golden child, the everything, like everything. And I remember distinctively the, the football matches my parents would go to with my brother the split between where my mum and dad would be based on certain days. My brother, my brother naturally was younger. He played a little bit closer with the football days. So they would travel to his games. And I constantly, I felt ostracized from my own family. And that, like, I've, I've never expressed that to my mum. And she's up at the, she's up in the skies now. And do I regret that? 
No, because I think she knows how much I love her and I know how much she loves me and my dad is exactly the same. But I always felt like I was constantly missing, I was constantly trying to show my mum and my dad. I was like, oh, look, it's me, it's me, it's me. But for what? I didn't know. I just didn't, genuinely didn't know. Even into my schooling years, I wanted to be the charismatic guy that everybody went to for a pick-me-up. And it again, you realize like through that life cycle that we went through, it all came back from those relational issues that I had early on because I was trying to be noticed and recognized by people who were around me that I loved and cared for. I would always be the loud mouth. I would always be the gobshite. I would always be the extroverted character, the high energy dude. I would always be that person even all the way back to the schooling years, even beyond b- before then. And it was because when my brother, I was trying to almost one-up my brother. He's my brother. He's my blood. He's my family. Like, why am I trying to one-up him? Because he was always seen as that golden child, you know. And I think when I'd done, when I'd done some emotional digging and I sort of w- became more, uh, more accustomed to what was going on around me and my own thought processes, as in with, when, when, when you and I dug, the sur- dug a little bit deeper into the surface, uh, beyond the surface, I quickly realized that I was trying to prove to my mum and dad that I was the better person. It was jealousy. It was jealousy. Like I was jealous that my brother had new football boots. I was jealous that my brother could do the things that I wasn't allowed to do at the age of 12, 13. He's the second child. He's going mm. to have things a little bit more in advance because my mum and dad, well, I was their first kid. And it, it was accepting that, but I didn't accept that initially and early on. So it was like this, the fear of the fear of missing out on things and the jealousy traits even stemmed into my relationship with my wife. And I'll, I'll openly, openly say this. And anybody knows, I was in a very difficult relationship before I met my wife. I was cheated on. And I, that broke me. That that fucking broke me because I thought I loved this woman or this girl and I'd been with her for a few good few years from the age of like 13 14 all the way up to 17 18 and at this stage you know we I stupidly young love I was engaged like what's going on but I was completely integrated into her family like I was their son and her mum and dad they welcomed me like this and they were so shocked when we found when they found out what had happened that they were like what have you done how how have you done this to dean and the type you know that type of character that is and it really did break me so in the early years of my relationship with my wife i was a jealous pig i was so concerned about where she was all the time i'd be texting her on all hours of the night but where are you what are you and she's not that she went out all the time but when she did go out of her friends like where are you what are you doing who's around you why are you with them why are you with him or her whoever it is even to a point where i remember getting in my car after she had finished work and sneakily parking it and watching her walk to the next that they used to go out for a drink as a, as a group watching her walk to the next bar to make sure she wasn't doing anything I was so worried about losing her, so fucking worried that she would go off with some other guy because she was too good for me. I, I truly believe that at the time. I believe it like not with the best of friends now, but I dre- genuinely believe that she was too good for me. Like sneakily, like a like some 
weird ninja that's walking through the night, like watching your partner, now your wife, go out and have drinks with her friends. And I, I just thought I was going to lose her every single weekend. I thought after she finished work, she works in a bar, I thought I was going to lose her. How, like, what type of guy does that? What, who does that? I just didn't, I just don't understand what I came, that was all from a place of scarcity. Yeah, I was so You've got to remember when you're in your teenage years, that's where you're learning. That's where the models of love comes yeah. in. You get two models of, of love from your parents and how they raise you and, and how that works. But also your formative relationship in your in your teenage years and, and your early twenties, your first ever relationships. So the brain is still moving. It's still it's still it's able to think a little bit more in the grey, but it's still in the black and white, almost like a child. So yeah. black and white. So it's easy for you to judge that version of, of Dean now with what yeah. you know now, but he was doing the best with what he had in that moment. We only know what we know, right? And you can only connect with dots looking backwards. Yeah. So for you now that's an opportunity for you having left grown out of that. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Our clients are fine. Dean didn't need to work with us and he'll still be successful and fairly happy at what he does. But it's these unconscious thoughts and beliefs and feelings that are just wasting physiological and psychological energy. And by shifting those emotions, all we're doing is freeing up bandwidth and we're freeing up energy for you to deploy. So I would actually say you're working just as hard just getting a shitload more done now and yeah. obviously you're getting the, the rewards for that period my emotional bandwidth is 10 times what it was last year period I I can't express how great and grateful is such a wanky word but I will be forever in debt to somebody who could pull shit out of my head and just let it go. We had a conversation. We had a call where you sat me. I've got no, again, I don't mind sharing this because I think it's important that people try and understand what where this come from. You told me to sit down in a chair and stand, sit opposite my mum. What would you say to her? And we had these really deep conversations and I'm not going to go into too much detail with it because, you know, that's personal for me. But, and you asked me like we kept digging and digging on what would you say and I was I was again an emotional wreck and I would lean on her for her support her counsel her resourcefulness and how she thought about things and very quickly forgot that she transferred all that to me I just didn't know how to unlock it I just didn't know how to reason with it I didn't know how to put pen to paper and maybe just well what are you thinking about what are you doing in your head what the fuck is going on in your head and when you're able to, when I was able to do that, you're able to write more emotionally. You're able to write more honestly about what's going on. So when the shit days are shit, you write that it's shit. And if it's shit, why is it shit? How do we make it better? But before I was like, it's a shit day. Scarcity mindset. There's no abundance in there. There's no growth. It was just like, it's shit. Why is it shit? Because I said it's shit. He's this, he's that, she's this, she's that. Jealousy again, comparison, fear of fucking missing out, fear of not being liked by other people. Like, I would act in a way that I wanted other people to like me. Similarly to, I would try and go out of my way and shower my wife at the time, young days, with all of these. I used to buy her a rose every single night when I was sat at the bar. She used to work in a bar. I used to go and sit and buy her, buy her a rose every single night. I used to write poetry for her. People won't know that. That's I amazing. used to write poetry for her. I used to write poetry for her, but I look back now 
I did it because I was scared about losing her. That was part of it. But deep down, that was the emotional, spiritual side of me that was really, truly, madly in love with her. Like she was the American, she's an American woman. She was in a massive, massive British culture in Germany. Spoke German. We both did. We were involved in the German community and in the British Army community as well. Like she would, she would stick out like a sore thumb. Beautiful brown hair, stunning woman, five foot eleven, just a, a leggy girl, just a, and a real lovely, empathetic human being. And I'm like, I am so, so lucky to have you. It took us through. It took me three months, three months to get her to agree to go on a date with me. And there I was a year and a half, two years later, worried that she was going to walk away from me. And then looking back in hindsight, now I'm like, she's so not, all of that. She's not the woman that's going to walk away. Energy is just what's happening in the unconscious mind. Exactly. It's just burning up fuel. Yeah. So you could just be using that fuel on solving problems or being more in king versus yeah. magician versus warrior versus lover. You mentioned there, um, I want to highlight this because I've never spoken about this in the podcast before, um, but it was about the moment where you sat down opposite your mum who passed away and had that conversation. So what Dean is referencing there is something called gestalt chair. When I pull out that technique, usually there's a lot of tears. Usually it, it's it's a big one. I've got shivers yeah. thinking about it. I've literally got it going all over my spine, yeah. So what, what this technique does is it enables you to go back and resolve unresolved conflict with people in the past, and it doesn't matter whether they're alive or dead. Yeah. Because we have something in the mind called mirror neurons. So think about when you came in here, we were having a little dance around the chairs, but you knew how to sit down on this stool. You knew how to sit down really quick, right? Yeah. So at some point, the mirror neurons, your parents would have said, sit down on your, this chair, this is how you do it. So you're picking that that up. You can also pick up how your parents, because they're, they're the closest bond that you have, you can pick up how they're feeling. Think about when, when your dad come home in a bad mood. Yeah. Everyone's in a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like he comes yeah. out, everyone's in a bad mood. Exactly. You don't know why, but you know yeah. shit's gone down today. If mom's pissed off, everyone's going to get, get Ex- the good news. Yeah. Exactly that. So um, you have these mirror neurons and you can feel that, particularly when you have it with your parents. So sometimes you need to go back and you need to have the conversations that yeah. they never had. And in that moment, what I got Dean to do is I got him to visualize your mother is sat in that chair opposite you and you are completely safe to say whatever it is that you need to say. Mm. He says that. He then stands up. He goes and sits where his mum is sat, having just heard that. And then he says back what it was that she would have responded with. Yeah. And anyone listening to this and go, these guys are nuts. What the fuck are they on about? But you have those mirror neurons. You know how they would have responded. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, words start flying out of their mouth. Or I've, I've experienced um, just old chair. I've experienced it a couple of times. And when that's happening, they say their piece. You stand up. You go back to where you were sat. And you have the conversation that was never had. And you can do this with people that are still alive. Yeah. People that will never have that conversation with you. But you know it's the conversation that you need to have because you need to express how you think and feel. And the cathartic release of that tool and that technique can just clear up so much unconscious sludge and just really clear that out. I talk a lot about the mind and being water and the difference between being a pond and being a river. And a pond is stagnant and it's full of sludge and it's kind of just not really moving. A river is flowing, it's moving. There's fish coming in, coming out, it's there. Um, 
that there was us getting a big spade and going, right, there's a load of toxic sludge within this and we need to scrape this out and that's what we were doing and now if you look at your mind now you're so much more agile so much more nimble your ability to adapt to change your ability to just you was already good at these things but we just took that to a completely different league and a completely different level yeah. and we talk about being water your ability emotionally and internally to navigate emotions as they come through because those that can navigate their emotions typically get more shit done and they get what they want out of life versus that those that are bullied by their emotions and, yeah. and you've been able to really take charge of that yeah I think <laughs> Everything that you've just said there goes back to uh, something I thought I was. I thought I was emotionally resilient. I thought I was mentally strong and tough to mo more intents and purposes. Most people's case, they probably would have thought I was. But digging that emotional sludge, you're right. You could not put into words what that does to people. You cannot put into words what it does to people. We did a we did we did one of those. Um, we used a tool where and I remember we sat down and we did, went through this whole thought process and we, we said things out loud what the thoughts and we spoke about things and this, this, tool, this tool was great and I asked you how, how long was that? Oh, that was like 45 minutes and it felt like two minutes had passed it, it, was, it was wild so wild so that's all there that's called timeline yeah we, timeline therapy that was the one yeah that's, that's right yeah so, and, and, and you all of these tools cannot be spoken about they have to be experienced yeah. and the biggest thing for me is as somebody who i thought was emotionally resilient and tough i was to a degree but i would say things i would i would speak out of you know i don't speak i'd lie to myself and say those things i'd be almost abrupt to my own narrative and my own rhetoric was like no get a fucking grip let's go let's move on come on pass by those things without actually experiencing them but those experiences you you wouldn't you you could you couldn't put that into words for what total mental performance is about you couldn't say to people oh this is what we're doing tmp because people just would not understand unless they truly sat in the chair and lived by what it was that we went through and now river is flowing it's a waterfall in my eyes that just continue it just grows it like there of course there's ebbs and flows like there is in all rivers there's little moment like i like the little ebbs and flows that are in the corners a bit of sludge there's emotional damage we've got to pick it out and move it by get it back in the free flowing river and move on with it i'm able to do that now i'm able to do an eddy into the ebbs and flows of the river i'm able to pull out what i need to pull out put it back into flow mode and let's go down the waterfall again like having that emotional ability just to sway to and from that doesn't just have an impact on you it's an impact on all of those people around you how you show up your your energy when you walk into a room when you think about things um you know, when you're creating my creativeness is gone i don't even know where it's come from it's like this a creative void i filled years ago i thought was filled now it's just an explosion of it even led to a rebrand that's how much power and impact it had. I completely rebranded after I think it was our second, I think it was a second or third session. I completely rebranded everything I wanted to do and everything that I wanted the Catalyst project to be about because I was so cocksure that this was the right path for me. And that was after two or three chats, like and deep digging deep in those conversations, the timeline therapy, the, the, the chair method, like those. There are so many tools that you could never put into words 
what impact they have because you need to experience it. People talk about Marathon de Sables, arguably one of the hardest endurance events in the world, without doubt. And the people that talk about or do those events talk about hallucinations hitting the wall and going through certain stages in that event that actually cause a lot of emotional triggers and it causes them to release all of this all of this dark energy and their thoughts and they're in a, they're literally tearing out and they don't know why they're tearing out but they're thinking about all of these things those people experience that and they always say you have to have run the marathon to actually understand what that type of thing feels like and that's only like the only thing i can put it into perspective with is hitting that wall i hit an emotional wall i didn't realize i hit an emotional wall but you helped me break through that emotional wall and go do you know what world this is fucking me take it as it is and let's go and it's the same sort of thing when you look at like those long endurance events when they hit that emotional wall but they still put one foot in front of the other they still put one foot in front one foot in front of the other because they have the resilience and tenacity to keep going and that's where we talk about experts and you need experts to you don't know what you don't know mm. and that's where you need somebody else to come in and hold up a mirror i'm still doing the work myself i still have a mindset coach and a therapist that are still holding up a mirror. Even sometimes I go into those sessions, we're done in 20 minutes, and it's like, I'm really talking about it. I said, all right, thanks, high five, boom, out I go. But I'm still checking in, because you just don't know. Yeah. And for you, I think you kind of thought there's a next level, but you just weren't sure. And when we had that yeah. first conversation, and I started asking a few questions, holding up a mirror to a few blind spots, that's when it started to crack. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know what? I know there's more. Deep down, I know there's more to me. I know I can perform better. I know I can get a lot more shit done. And you're thinking, well, I'm, I want to open that door. Then we do have one-to-one -one clarity sessions. They're free, but they're on application. What I mean by that is just because you apply doesn't necessarily mean you'll get it. But if you don't buy a ticket, how can you win the lottery? the best investment I ever made in my life because I have a relationship with my wife now I feel like a dad um, I am fucking all hairs trembling here because it's I would pay that I would invest that same process again 50 times over if I knew the feeling I would get at the end of it was where I am right now and forever i'll be forever in debt to the team at tmp yourself you're a lifelong friend a lifelong mentor and you don't go into these processes finding a friend you don't go into these mentorships or coaching 
online coaching type of things. You don't go in there to find friends. You go in there to better yourself. But I haven't just bettered myself and become a new person, a different, not a new person, of a 2.0 version of what Dean's going to be. And there'll be a 3.0 and a 4.0 and a 5.0. I'm prepared for that now. But I went into the investment and got so much more out of this process from TMP that I could ever, ever, ever put into words. A community of people that have all done the work as well. And you know who they are. Like, you say it quite well. Like you, you have to earn the TMP cap. And you do, yeah, when you've been cap when you graduate. <laughs> And it, do you know what that that cap could be? That cap could be worth one pound ninety nine up to ten million pounds. It doesn't matter because it's worth so much more than anything you could possibly imagine because you've been through that process. And anybody I would say who's sitting on the fence about digging into their psyche and getting an understanding about what psychological performance is really about, I would give you two bits of advice. First of all, get off the fence and jump feet first into it and go, go in. The minute you start, don't lie to yourself. Be completely open and honest. Don't hold back. I held back a little bit initially and I kind of don't sit in regret, but I wish I just exposed that little bit more early on. I did the best of what I had at the time, exactly. So I would always say, when you go into that, you're going to do the best of what you have at the time. But do it where all of those barriers, just pull them down just a little bit and let let what will be what will be. Because, yeah, you, you have... We don't have infinite amount of time. And I'm very acutely aware of that. Something I tell all of my clients as well. Um the 100 dots down the left-hand side, 52 dots across each line, and you colour each dot in to represent each week that you've lived for. Um, shame, shame to say, but I've lived over a third of my life already. It's crazy to say that you've lived over a third of your life at the age of 36, 35, 36. I want to spend the next third and the final third of my life with complete mental freedom and I feel like I can now do that because I'm not holding on to things from my past. I've let them go. And even not even by having conversations with those that I need to, by using the tools and techniques that we taught, you taught us in TMP. It's, <laughs> I'm free. Like nothing is stopping me. Um, and when you do things like this, it opens up some pretty incredible thought processes. And so much so I'm now exploring the next chapter in my life, which I never expected me to, jump into so do it and don't look back I'm going to say three words with a bit of a hyphen in between them being unapologetically you.
That's what that means to me. That's freedom. That's total mental performance. It's doing the thing that you say you want to do and you do it because you actually want to do it. And I'm now living proof of that. I want to do something. I will do it because I believe it the right. If it fails, okay. But guess what? I tried. And I had the emotional bandwidth to do it. So being unapologetically you, and it's a phrase we use quite regularly in the Catalyst Project, be who you are. Because the and uh, and you know the, the big thing for me is is we go off of the five Fs. If they don't finance you, they don't fuck you. They're not your friends or your family. Then fuck them. Like that's the mentality and the mantra that I have now. Like I say it to people, but now I have the mantra. If you're not one of those five people, I don't care. Like I don't give a shit if you're not in the five Fs. But being unapologetically you allows you to do the thing that you said you were going to do, without any guilt, without any comparison doing it because you want to do it and exploring what's going on up here so that you can put it down and give it to the world in however way it comes out so that's what i would say total mental performance is to me i appreciate that extremely grateful extremely grateful so on most platforms um i'm down as coach dean hammond um you'll find me on twitter instagram linkedin as dean hammond uh, facebook i'm most prolific on instagram and facebook most of my socials uh, but yeah i'm an open book i'm always there to help anybody so if anybody ever has any questions and i can help i will do everything in my power because that's the person i am if i don't know i'll find somebody that does <laughs> so yeah like feel free to reach out thank you brother so that's us for today team i want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us a couple of things before you disappear if you're not already following us on instagram you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at total mental performance or our website www.totalmentalperformance.com if you haven't already please subscribe you'll find us on spotify uh, the apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms big love thank you ever so much and we're looking forward to speaking with you soon